Welcome to another installment of the Chad Pennington Podcast. Eric Allen here with my partner, of course, our star, Chad Pennington. Well, CP, the Jets have done it. They have put themselves in position to go to the postseason. Who would have thought that a few weeks back, right before Thanksgiving, after the Jets left Houston? Well, I don't think very many people uh, would have given the Jets this much of a chance, including ourselves. We felt like right there around that time that they were descending and not on an uptrend. But I think uh, both you and I looked at the schedule early in the year and felt like they did have a chance to win 10 games. And uh, they have done that. And on top of that, they've got a chance to win an 11th game and control their own destiny. And so that's Really exciting for Jet fans. I know it's exciting for the players. It's got to be exciting for players like Ryan Fitzpatrick and Brandon Marshall who haven't ever played in the postseason because postseason play is certainly special. And um, so for this team to have that chance uh, is a great accomplishment. And uh, you would like to see them finish the course and stay the course that they've been on and finish the deal here by being able to go up to Buffalo which will be a huge game not only for the Jets but for Buffalo as well, fighting for a 500 record. Uh, tough game playing in Buffalo, so it's going to be an interesting day. A lot of these guys, Jed, this week said we felt like there was something special happening or we had something special here earlier in the year. The veterans talking about just looking at the talent in the room and also the young talent. Could you see it? And what's that feeling like as a player when you know you're building towards something and then it just starts picking up? Well, there's no feeling like it. I think that's what draws us as players and coaches to this game is when you're able to, to, to take a collective group of individuals and forge a team. And you start to feel the synergy. You start to feel the momentum. You feel uh, the ability to play off of one another and to play complementary football and to just be all in. Uh, It's a special feeling. I felt that a couple of times in my career, and uh, it's something that you really can't explain. Sometimes you can't put your finger on it. It's just something that has happened that has been a product of your hard work, your attitude, um, your willingness to make sacrifices, and once you start to put those wins together and develop that momentum and energy, it's very hard to stop. Do you think something changed with this team with that Giants game at 20-10? to 10, They make the fourth quarter comeback, eventually finish that out in overtime. Because Kelvin Pace, your former teammate, said that was our springboard, he thought. I agree, and, and the reason that I agree um, – is because of the way they were able to do it. Uh, There was no uh, situation where the panic button was pushed. Um, It was a team that stayed the course, and uh, 20 to 10 with eight minutes left, um, they stayed the course on what they were trying to get accomplished. They they didn't worry about being down by 10 points and looking at what such a difficult task it was. They just kept chipping away, and they, they get the field goal, and then they get the stop and then go on down to score to tie it up. And that was a huge momentum builder, not only for that game, but you you can talk about uh, the results that you want to produce and how you go about that, but you also have to have proof. And a lot of times experience trumps knowledge. And so when you have that experience 
of your system and the way you do things of, of producing that result, that experience, then gives you the confidence to go back out and do it again. And even though you may have the knowledge on how to do it, that experience really puts the cap on, okay, this is who we are, this is our identity, this is how we're going to win. And I think that's what the Jets have been able to build uh, over the, the course of this season and really go through this process of establishing who they are as a team. So that leads us to last Sunday. They take down the New England Patriots all over time by a 26-20 to 20 score. But the Jets had a two-touchdown advantage in the second half, and the Patriots came back showing metal, showing character. That's what we expect from the defending Super Bowl champion, a team who's dominated this division over the course of the last 15 years or so. But what will that overtime possession do now for the Jets moving forward as they have another moment to build off of where Ryan Fitzpatrick gets the ball, Chad, and he goes five plays, 80 yards, culminates the possession, not just with the field goal, but he ends it with a touchdown to Eric Decker. Well, I think what was most important and most impressive about this game, typically when teams play the Patriots, including the Jets, um, you lose before you even take the field uh, because you give them too much credit. And you look at what they've done over the years. Uh, you look at the hype around their team, their quarterback, their head coach, uh, the Patriot way, and you lose before you even step in between the white lines and give yourself a chance. To win, and this was the team. Let's let's look at this game. There's no doubt that this was a wounded animal in the New England Patriots. But with that being said, a lot of times teams still lose to the Patriots, even when they're wounded like this, because they give in to the Patriot way and thinking that well, this way is going to prevail, and we're just not up to that yet, and we're not up to that standard. And the Jets had an opportunity to give in to that, being up by two touchdowns allowing the game to be tied, going into overtime, having the quirky decision of kicking instead of receiving. The Jets could have fallen into believing that, oh, this is the Patriots, this is how they're going to do it, this is their recipe for success, we don't have a shot. And they didn't do that. Even with the adversity that they faced, they didn't do that, and they did exactly what you're supposed to do with a team that is that is hurt, that is injured, that isn't 100%, you put them away. And that's exactly what they did. They took that decision that the Patriots made to kick, and they took the ball, and they went down and scored and put the team away with the touchdown. And that was most impressive for me. Straight up, do you think a lot of people have made too much about New England's decisions and not giving the Jets enough credit? I talked to a few folks on the radio the other night, I t received a call on Inside the Jets where people said it was bizarre the way Belichick coached the game that, hey, you know, at the end of the half, they didn't go for it at, at, before overtime after the coin toss. Obviously, they elect to kick. They had some guys out of that ball game. And I said, Chad, who am I to question Bill Belichick or any of us? That guy has won four championships. They've been to the Super Bowl six times. This guy wants to win everything he does. So whatever decision he makes, he thinks is best for his ball club. The bottom line is the Jets don't win that game if they don't execute. Well, I completely agree, and here's what we have to understand. You have to go into each game as a coach looking at what you have available from a player standpoint and then 
with those players that you have available, how do you go about winning the game? And typically that doesn't, that may not go along with how you've won previous games. And so the Patriots went into this game knowing they were injured, knowing that they had limited playmakers. And so they were trying to play this game as close to the best as possible, making sure they did not lose the game to the Jets, number one. And let's see if the Jets will lose the game to us, knowing that we're wounded and, and we don't have a lot of firepower. And it almost worked. And so really they played the game exactly how they wanted to play it. And so you can't question uh, their decision before half on what they did or their, you know, their decision at, uh, uh, in overtime. And I think all of those decisions were specifically done for the specific reason of the injuries that they had and how they thought they needed to play the game to get a win. And so what they did was it, it worked all the way up until overtime. They made the decision to say, look, we're hurting on offense. We need to allow our defense to try to get us to field position, and then we can make a couple of plays to then allow our, our one of our best players on the team, which is our field goal kicker, to kick a field goal and get out of here with a win. That's what they tried to do. And you have to give the Jets credit in saying, you know what, this is the, this is the way they decided to play. We're not letting that happen. And that's exactly what happened. The Jets did not fall prey to allowing the decisions of the Patriots affect how they were going to try to win the game, and they did not let that happen. Uh, how impressed were you by Chan Gailey? Because I'm watching that ball game, and we talked about it before uh, this second matchup, the return matchup between the Jets and the Patriots is, hey, we know the Patriots are going to try to take Brandon Marshall away. Well, they didn't. Eight receptions, 115 yards, two touchdowns, and Brandon is having an unbelievable season with that being said I thought Chan did a lot of clever things to get him some space well I think what's really impressive right now and fun to watch from an offensive standpoint is that you see offensive players completely in tune with their coordinator and that's when it's really special is when you trust the coordinator is going to put your teammates and yourself in the position to make plays and you don't question that and you go along with what he's doing and that's what is special right now it's the chan gailey is as any coordinator will tell you play calling is is overrated but what we have to do as a staff is make sure we're giving our playmakers a chance to make plays and then the and then the players have to go out and execute those plays the quarterback is executing the plays finding the guys in space the receivers are making sure they're running crisp routes and making those plays in space. And so it's been really fun to watch. I think the screen game is something that is really unique to the Jets' offense and how they every week find a way to allow these screens to create big plays for them and explosive plays and plays that keep drives moving. I mean, that is an integral part of their offense, uh, as well as their spread system with their empty uh formations and their three-by-one trips formations. They're doing a lot of good things there. And so uh, as an offense, they're, they've really found their groove. And that hasn't just been Sunday. That was four or five weeks back. We felt like that their offense started to find their groove and find out who they are. And it's it's been, it's been a co collective effort. Look at the rushing attack. Uh, the Jets didn't have just one rusher that carried the load. They had three guys that were extremely productive 
in the running game to produce more than 140 yards rushing. So it's completely been a collective effort. Ryan Fitzpatrick, three touchdown passes. Now he's got 29 on the season that ties Mini Testaverde for the franchise mark. He also has a team record 11 multi-touchdown pass games. Uh, how would you evaluate Ryan as far as a quarterback on the whole? Because I think people are starting to give him some credit out there nationally, and the Jets are starting to get it. And they're not complaining about people sleeping on us. That's not the way this team goes about their business. They just go and work and foul uh, Todd Bowles each and every day. But Fitz, where would you put him as far as not like a quarterback ranking, but just how well is he playing as the Jets have made this postseason push right now? Well, I think from what I've seen in my experience uh, being around him and during his career, I think this is his most productive, most efficient and consistent season as a pro. And it's been fun to watch. Uh, he's enjoying playing. You can tell it. Uh, he has a level of confidence about him uh, that exudes from him and his body language. Uh, he's completely in tune with his coordinator. And what he's doing the best is that he is just – creating plays and some of the plays may not stick out in the stats but he has been making plays with his feet uh, making plays by how he's delivered the football he made a couple of throws on Sunday sidearm finding different ways to deliver the football to his playmakers uh, finding other times where he just puts the ball up because he trusts a Brandon Marshall to go up and make a play so there's a level of trust there that he's playing with a level of confidence that he's playing with um, that is, is really fun to watch. And I think this has been his most productive and efficient season as a professional quarterback. You mentioned it before, the offense firing on all cylinders, and you mentioned the contributions they got from three backs. Stephen Ridley, a former Patriot, played very well. But how about the contributions on the outside? Quincy Inunua now two weeks where he's made pivotal plays for this offense. I know a lot of people say, well, Quincy's just a blocker. Well, no, he can be effective in the pass game as a receiver as well. And then Kembrell Tompkins, I think, has stepped up. He made some plays, played with his hair on fire against the New England Patriots as well. So now we're starting to see balance throughout this offense. We talked about it earlier in the year. We wanted to see who the receivers would be outside of Marshall and Decker to make plays, and we talked about how that is really important to the success of the offense just to create a little bit of breathing room for your typical playmakers, and you've got to have those one or two plays by those third and fourth uh, receivers that kind of just extend drives. They give you a little breathing room. They create some energy. They create a spark. Yes, they're not the go-to guy, but they're very pivotal in the overall success of the Jets' offense, and you have seen that. Uh, we started to see Devin Smith do a little bit of that. Curley did some of that earlier in the year, and now you're seeing Tompkins and Anunua do the same thing, and it's been impressive, and, and that's what you have to see. When I saw those plays being made early by Tompkins, I started to feel good about the Jets' attack for the rest of the game because that creates uh, another issue for defense to worry about. And I think with Anunua, what we've been able to see is his ability to run after the catch. He's an impressive runner once he gets the ball in his hands. He's not only physical, but he's fast. 
And so that creates another element that the Jets can use to their advantage. 27 points a game, 423 yards per game during this five-game winning streak. On the other side of the ball, you'll take it anytime you give up 13 points. What did you like most from the Jets' defensive effort against the Patriots? The thing that stood out to me, Chad, was this team is fantastic on third down right now. They just held Tom Brady. I don't care who he was playing with. He's dangerous. He was 1-10 on third down against the Jets? Well, I think the, the most impressive part of it was that uh, other than the fourth and nine completion to Gronkowski, uh, you didn't see very many explosive plays and pivotal explosive plays. Um, they limited those explosive plays, and they were able to get to Tom Brady, get the ball out of his hand quickly, um, and, and just keep him uncomfortable all day. And so, uh, obviously, we, we saw an offense that is certainly struggling because of the injury factor, and they don't have their typical playmakers at their uh, disposal. But with that being said, the Jets did not allow that to happen as well, and they still made Tom Brady uncomfortable. They used a, a mix of coverages. Uh, this game I saw more seven- and eight-man uh, zone defenses and schemes than I've seen all year, and I think that was a great adjustment uh, by the Jets staff um, to you know, allow our uh, the Jets defenders to cover in zones, not put Gronkowski in one-on-one situations, and, and that and they were able to still get a pass rush for three and four defenders, which was impressive. So they mixed it up as a defense. They made plays when they had to, and and it was a really good, solid performance by the defense. All right, so very simply, what do they have to do to beat the Bills? You mentioned before that the Bills are going to have professional pride. Seven and eight, of course, they'd like to finish the season out on a winning note. They're banged up, though, Chad. You look at that lineup right now. It's a lot different than the lineup who came here to MetLife Stadium. They're missing Gilmore in the secondary. He's a fantastic cornerback. Corner Rookie Ronald Darby has had an incredible year. He might be out as well. Offensively, Shady McCoy might be out. Charles Clay is definitely out. Kyle Williams, Kyle Williams has been out for a long time. Marcel Darius is questionable. They're hurting. This is a banged-up ball club. Uh, what do the Jets have to do as they travel to Western New York and try to stamp their ticket? Well, I think I think the mentality has to be uh, the same mentality that we would have when I played for the Jets when we would play the Miami Dolphins. We felt like that if we went when we played the Miami Dolphins, if we did not give their defense opportunities to create explosive plays through turnovers and sacks and negative plays, and we played it close to the vest, and we were uh, very detailed in, in how we took care of the ball, and we understood field position that we would always come out on top. And in eight tries, we were 7-1 and one, uh, against the Dolphins with that mentality. And so I think that's the mentality that the, that the Jets take to Buffalo, knowing that the, the Buffalo Bills will be energetic, they'll be emotional, the crowd will be into it. Uh, you should have decent weather, around 30 degrees or so, but no craziness with wind and rain and snow and those types of things. So you should be okay with weather. Um, but the Jets go into this game going, the only way that the Bills can beat us is if we lose to them through turnovers and penalties and mental errors. If we play the way we're supposed to play and, and not uh, turn the ball over, not give up the big explosive play on defense, the Jets will win this game, and I think that's the mentality that they have to have. Yeah, they should have a lot of confidence going into this ball game. Now, Shady McCoy did rush for over 100 yards against this defense, and again, we don't know if he's going to play this week, but 
This is the number one ranked rushing defense in the National Football League. And I got to imagine, Chad, defensively, you just want to keep Tyrod in the pocket. He's an athlete. He can hurt you. And I think he's made steps as far as progress this year. But still, you want him in the pocket as your big guys uh, hopefully set the edge. And then on the outside, his favorite target is Sammy Watkins. Once again, he's missing Charles Clay. And Watkins is a big-time receiver, but I imagine, uh, you know, Darrell Revis is going to be with him most of the day. Well, I think um, implementing some zone coverages where you don't have those one-on-one matchups, because he still does a really good job, and he made some plays in that first game one-on-one. Um, that you, you want to incorporate some zone coverages where you have multiple defenders around him. You also may look at when you do have main coverage, you may bracket uh, Sammy Watkins with a safety in your second corner and let Darrell take the second receiver uh, instead of the first option. Uh, that, that's, that's an issue. And, and then when you're pass rush, you definitely want to be disciplined in the pass rush. It's not necessarily how do we get to him as fast, but how do we corral him in the pocket, force him to be a pocket passer. I think that uh, his weakness right now, uh, Tyrod Taylor, would be his accuracy from the pocket on a consistent basis. And so you want to, to force him to beat you if, if they are going to with his arm and being accurate down in and down out. Uh, on a consistent basis, which he's not been able to prove that he can do that yet. And you mentioned it before on the other side of the ball. It's just don't make mistakes and do what you do because they're in such a great rhythm right now, whereas the Bills, if you really want to point to a problem they've had this year, it's been the defense. It hasn't been the offense. They've been able to run the football. Uh, Tyrod Taylor has been able to get some explosive uh, passing games, but defensively where they play good, Played very well in a couple games. I think about that New England uh, Monday night game that the Bills lost a narrow contest. And then coming here, they played awfully well against the Jets' offense. But by and large, this defense hasn't met their own expectations in Buffalo. And it could be hurting in the secondary and along that defensive line. So for the Jets, they just got to do what they do and don't turn it over because this Bills team has not been getting to the quarterback. And... They might have a problem matching up with the Jets' weapons right now. Well, I think two things are, are key for the Jets' offense. Number one, I think uh, it is keeping uh, Fitzpatrick clean in the pocket. That's something that we didn't talk about in the New England game on Sunday. The pocket was extremely clean throughout the whole game. Uh, Fitzpatrick was able to step up, make his reads, didn't have to move off of his spot very much. Uh, the pocket was extremely clean. Uh, the uh, Patriots didn't get to him very much other than the one fumble. Uh, other than that, uh, he had a clean pocket to work from. That's that's the key, number one, against the Bills. Number two, I think it's key. I think the, the Jets struggled with getting off of the jam and, and, and press against the Bills. The Bills did a really good job of that, especially in the red zone, of disrupting the route timing and the route combinations uh, by jamming at the line of scrimmage in that first five yards. And so working on your releases this week, making sure that you're able to get off of those jam and press type of coverages, I think will be important for the Jets passing game. That's outstanding analysis, but that goes to my point too, is that, you know, Gilmore and Darby are one of the finer cornerback tandems in the National Football League, and they might be missing both of them. So we'll see what happens. Hey, we will have plenty of time to talk about the postseason next week. But let me just ask you this one before we get there. 
how dangerous can this Jets team be if they win and they're in when you look at the AFC landscape? Well, I think uh, they'll be extremely dangerous. Number one, they can stop the run defensively. Uh, that That is key in the postseason. Uh, and then, two, offensively, they have proven that they can win multiple ways. They can win with their running game. They can win with their down-the-field passing game. They can also win with their short screen game. They have multiple players that have proven they can make plays when their number is called. You can't just focus on Brandon Marshall. You can't just focus on Chris Ivory. There have been multiple players to step up and make plays and create yards for them as an offense. So uh, they're dangerous, and they're capable of going on the road and winning on the road and being successful that way. So I think when you look at the AFC landscape, the Jets have just as good of a chance as anybody uh, to make a, a deep run into the playoffs and make a Super Bowl run. Uh, well, that would be something. And they plan on taking care of business here Sunday. Uh, as you know, Todd Bowles told those guys, hey, we're going to keep our head, out, head down and then we'll see where we are. And we'll pick our head up at the end of the season. And I've always thought, Chad, that 11-5 and would get you there. And indeed, it will get the Jets there. Who would have thought the Pittsburgh Steelers would have won on the road and lost to the Baltimore Ravens? But anything can happen in the National Football League. The Jets just got to be on point one more time. And they'll extend their season into January. And then it's going to be fun. Uh, this we're taping right now here on Wednesday. On Thursday, the college football playoff commences with two games, Oklahoma playing Clemson. This is actually a rematch of a bowl game last year at Clemson ran roughshod all over Boomer Sooner. What do you think about this matchup? Well, I think it's interesting, and, and the reason I think it's interesting now is with the uh, suspension of the three players, even though Davo Sweeney wants to say that they're backups. You look at the receiver that has had to go home early. He's been very productive uh, over the last five or six games for the Clemson offense. And do I think it's a huge detriment? Not necessarily, but it certainly causes a distraction. And uh, as a team, you're trying to eliminate those distractions when you go into these playoff type games. So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, what happens with that. I think that Oklahoma doesn't get blown out. Um, I think with their quarterback being an X factor and how they've been playing in the latter part of the season, uh, they're going to be right there in the mix. But I think the X factor here is the Clemson quarterback. Um, Deshaun and, Watson. Being able yep. To, yep, and, and Watson being able to make uh, plays not only with his feet but with his arm. And he's the X factor, and I think uh, that Oklahoma won't be able to overcome uh, the ultimate X factor in Watson. Wow. Victory. I, I'm going on the other side of the ball. I think Oklahoma is, people are sleeping on Oklahoma a little bit because they lost early in the year in the Red River War to Texas. I think obviously they have good team speed. They haven't faced a quarterback like Watson before, and he might be the most dynamic player in college football. But if you can take away Clemson's tight end, easier said than done and try to contain him. I think Clemson's going to have all sorts of problems defensively against this Oklahoma offense because they can run the football, and you mentioned Baker Mayfield before. They can spread you out and throw the ball all day. I like Oklahoma in a high-scoring game. 
It will be fun, though. And then finally, Alabama, Michigan State. Uh, Mark D'Antonio, Nick Saban have known each other for a number of years. I saw somebody uh, print today that, hey, it's Michigan State's three-star recruits against Alabama's five-star recruits. But D'Antonio, you know this, he loves playing that underdog role. I think this is a fascinating matchup. It really is. I think it's two teams that probably mirror each other in, how, in their approach. Uh, as a program, as, as well as how they like to play on the field. Uh, when I look at it, I think for Michigan State, uh, the X factor has to be Connor Cook. Uh, I think they're built similar to, say, an LSU uh, or one of those teams, but Michigan State has a better quarterback. And so his ability to make plays with his arm is going to be really, really important. The ability of the Michigan State receivers to, to beat the Alabama defenders in the secondary uh, is the key. Uh, if, if they're able to do that, uh, they'll have a chance to win. I don't think they will. I think that Alabama will be able to create pressure with their front four, play coverage behind the front four, uh, control the line of scrimmage. Uh, they win a close one uh, by you know a three to five point margin. All right. Well, we wish you and your family a happy New Year. Uh, exciting times here with the Jets. We've enjoyed the podcast and. Hopefully next weekend we're going to have our own playoff installment as the Jets look to prepare for a wild card weekend showdown somewhere in Houston, Kansas City, Denver, or Cincinnati. Thanks, Jed. Thank you, Eric.